Hey guys, you got Christina Gilchrist here, also known as the Dialysis Warrior Blind Chick. And I'm here with my Moosey boy, my Moose the Pomsky service dog. And. Hey, uh, what about me? Oh, yeah, I have Michael Gilchrist is here. The caretaker. And this is Living on Dialysis podcast. And this is a disclaimer we are not doctors. This is just the opinion of Living on Dialysis Facebook group. And always follow up any advice you have with your team and your doctors. And again, this is just an opinion. So if you don't like it, tell me yours. Bye. And I'm super excited because today we have an amazing woman. Her name is Britt McCoy and we're going to hear her story. So, hey, Britt, how you doing? I'm good. Excellent. So, do you want to just kind of give us a little version of your story? Yeah. Um, so, I was diagnosed with um, stage 3B um, in August of 2018. Wow. And... Um, I knew a little bit about it um, because my dad actually had just gone through dialysis and had a successful transplant. So I knew a little bit about what was coming for me, but... That's incredible. He, What kind of transplant did he get? Did he get a living donor or a cadaveric? Yeah, actually his his, uh, girlfriend at the time was was a match. Oh my gosh, so not girlfriend anymore? Um, they're married, yeah. Oh, that's even better. I was going to say, did she take the kidney when she left? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that that worked out for him. That is amazing. The odds of them being a match, that's so insane. It was meant to be. I know, right? And he's like, I think like four years post-transplant now. Oh, that's amazing. Tell him congratulations. That's awesome. Right, right. But, um, but yeah, um, so I knew a little, about, a, little, a little bit about what, you know, what was about to be on my plate. Um, yeah, the process, huh? Yeah, and so after that, um, so I was diagnosed in August of 2018, and in January of 2019, I found out I was pregnant with my <gasps> first. Um, so I went through that pregnancy and I had another one when he was a year old and you know just two two pregnancies you know from the point of I think when I was diagnosed my my function was at like uh I want to say 38 okay um so I'm super I'm super intrigued by you going through pregnancy with such awful kidneys so how was that um the the first one was was rough um it was i was sick start finish and uh it i couldn't hold a job because i was so sick and just tired and you know i would have never known if you know that was kidney related or just you know my first pregnancy so i didn't know what was what but oh my gosh uh, yeah, so um, they ended up inducing me at uh, 35 weeks with him, 
um, because they worry about preeclampsia and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so. So he's um, doing well now? Yeah, yeah, he's doing good. He's a trooper, man. Um, he, <gasps> he had to be on, you know, IVs for pneumonia and, you know, he was little and had to be on a warmer and oxygen the first night, but, um, but he, he is, he is a trooper. He is. That's he is awesome. A little bitch, but <laughs> he sounds strong like his mama. Yeah, he definitely is that. Uh, <laughs> so were you doing any dialysis at this time? No, um, I really just, it was just, everything just happened all at one time. You know, I got my diagnosis and I didn't even think when I found out I was pregnant with him that I had started seeing a nephrologist yet. Um, oh goodness. But, okay. Yeah. So, um, but once I found out I was pregnant with him, I saw my nephrologist every two weeks and saw my OB every two weeks. And and then it was like every week, the last month of it. So it was a lot. But that, Yeah, that's, that's so good because I kind of had a fairly similar situation and it didn't go as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's. It was scary. I mean, you don't know you yeah. know what's gonna happen. Like I didn't know if I would, you know, after delivery if I would have to start dialysis and then, you know, how would I be a mom while yeah. I'm on dialysis? And like I mean it was twenty questions of, you know, not knowing what was gonna happen, but And you're um, young. How old were you at that time? I was oh gosh, twenty nineteen, so I was oh Lord, don't ask me to do math. <laughs> <laughs> so you're twenty eight now, right? Yeah, so, so was, nine years I was, ago. I was twenty five. I was I was twenty five whenever I had him. Okay, okay, I got you. So you were older than that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what about the next baby? So he um that was actually not too bad. I actually with him the only weird thing during pregnancy was um the first trimester I got car sick. Like oh. which is so just weird um and at the time I lived in the mountains towards West Virginia and it was like oh my gosh it was awful but oh my um, gosh that's crazy yeah and and besides that it really wasn't bad um they induced me early with him too at uh 36 weeks and but he was fine I mean he was he was fine from the start he's just He's my little firecracker, but so but, I mean, after... so when I when I heard about your story, I was super intrigued with you because we've got a lot of similarities in our stories. And then, and I feel like that's crazy because I mean, it's not; it, it's just a rarity, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, you're just the younger, less wrinkly version of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, you are a single parent. You're fighting for custody right now, or what's going on with that? Um, yeah, so I left my, um, the father of my children. I left him. I actually was, like, one month pregnant with my second son. And, um, you know, just opposite uh, priorities and things. So, oh, yeah. You know, we, I think of- we, I think we all had a similar ex when yes, it comes to that. so, so true. So you did, so you were raising a little child, a baby basically, you were pregnant, having kidney problems, and 
basically doing it all on your own. And then fighting for custody. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still, you know, two years after, you know, leaving, I'm, you know, fighting for custody still. I actually have court tomorrow for that. um, Is he actually trying to do anything about, like, your medical, saying that you are not capable? Uh, well, so whenever I got, I've tried my best to keep it from him because I knew that he would use it against me. Um, but he heard through the grapevine that I had my calf surgery, and so he does know about it. But I have an awesome attorney, and I'm really, I'm, because mostly of his situation, I'm really not concerned with him saving my kids. But yeah, <laughs> and I think it's never fun to have to fight through. No, like no. And honestly, I think you got, I don't know, 3,000 something people that would probably show up for you if he did try to use that against you. I'd be there. My gosh. Yeah. I know. Like, even, even my attorney didn't understand, you know, you know, after I had my um, catheter surgery a few weeks ago, he was like, you know, are you okay? You know, like, and he was so concerned, you know, and um, was trying to make things, you know, hold off on things. And I was like, look, I am fine. Like, I feel better now than I had before. Like, this really is an improvement, not that's it's not debilitating. You know, and, and and that's one of the biggest things is people don't realize how much better they can feel when they actually start dialysis. Now, in center might be a little bit different. No, you still feel better in center. When, when you can get those toxins out, people don't understand that by somebody just urinating, that's pretty much what the kidneys are doing. And when yeah. you can't do that, you are just storing up all of those toxins. And so. I think we know we don't feel good, but we don't know how bad we really feel. Exactly. Like, you know, you just don't know, you don't know how bad off you are until you feel good. And it's like... I woke up today, I mean, I'm on day three of doing my treatments at home, and... Oh my I mean, gosh, that's amazing! And, I, and I, f- I feel better, I mean, I woke up today, and I have not felt weak or tired all day today, I was I, I was able to play outside with my son, and, you know, play with water guns in the, in the heat without feeling like I was going to pass out, like, I mean, it's just, it's so crazy how fast, and not saying that everybody's situation is like that, but... You know, it's just it's crazy how fast I feel better, you know. And I will actually give you mad, mad props because I was a single dad and I actually got full custody of my daughter when she was pretty much an infant as well. And yeah. that was extremely hard on me. So adding another child on top of that, plus the medical and all the bull crap that you had to deal with, you're a freaking rock star. That is awesome. I appreciate it. I mean, it definitely, it's, it's a mental roller coaster. I mean, it's, it's hard to keep your head above water and, you know, stay positive. And yeah. I have, I, I have my bad days, you know, where I just can't, I can't look at the bright side of things. But I mean, I have two little boys that don't deserve to see that, you know, so I, I, I try my best to just, you know, so do in- what I got to do and, An interesting thing is I was so worried that I would mess up my daughter's life by not being the parent that read to her and not being the parent that could stay home if she's sick, actually taking her to dialysis with me. And it has done the exact opposite. My daughter, I I couldn't read. And so I would have her tell me what the letters were and then I would tell her what the word was. 
And when she started kindergarten, she was reading at like fourth grade level. That's awesome. Yeah, so don't be too hard on yourself. I definitely understand it because that was like one of my biggest concerns going into all of this is like, so I grew up, my mom had multiple sclerosis. So I grew up taking care of my mom. And it basically, it, it took away my childhood. You know, I... I had to grow up really fast. I had to cook and clean and, and be mom for my mom. You know, I had to dress her and and all kinds of stuff. And, and wow. so, and I just, I didn't want that for my boys. And that was like my biggest fear going into all of that. Like, not that, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love my mom to death, but yeah, exactly. you, know, you just don't wish, you don't wish that, you know, you don't want to be a burden on anybody. And yeah, that it's, makes, it's, that makes perfect tough. sense. Like, yeah, yeah. So you're so, doing, I mean, just, so you're doing manuals right now, right? Yeah, right now they have me doing four, um, four exchanges a day, um, and I'm I'm doing a thousand mls. Okay, and so are they going to be? When are they going to start training on the machine? Um, I'm not sure. I go back on the 13th of next month, and I think they're going to do my KTV to figure out, you know, my my actual prescription and stuff. Okay. Um, That's amazing. hopefully, yeah, hopefully, you know, I I was talking to someone else in the group. I think his name was Mike. um, And he said, you know, he's basically at the same function and stuff. And uh, he's only doing one manual exchange a day. So I am just, anything is better than this four times a day. So do you, yeah. Do you know what machine you'll be using? The Liberty or Baxter? Do you know? I use uh, Fresenius. Okay, so you, yeah. you'll probably be using the Liberty machine. We're actually very familiar with that. So if you have any questions once you get started, let us know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know I will. <laughs> so, Britt, where are you at now in your life? Um, now I am, honestly, I, I am just trying to pick up the pieces right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to... Um, Well, I mean, I wanted to get back into work, but, you know, now I'm doing, you know, the dialysis and my kids are too young and, and so I'm kind of, I'm kind of in a, in between limbo right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And take that time. Cause honestly, like you don't need to get back to work as quick as you think. Give yourself some time to one, be with your boys because that's going to make you the happiest and just kind of piece it all together in your brain it takes some time so i wanted to uh thank you Britt, for talking to us um you have an amazing story and hopefully here pretty soon we can do a follow-up and find out how your pd is doing and how your boys are doing and if you have and i also know that you have a kidney page and basically you're at you know advertising that you need a kidney we will put that on the podcast Everybody go. Everybody needs to get tested. Everybody needs to become a donor. Yeah. So get out there. And thank you so much for talking to us, Britt. And before you go. Oh, so before you <laughs> go. Britt, how are you living on dialysis? You know, I am just doing the mom thing. You know, I am just, I am just soaking in. There you <laughs> go. Every, every minute that I have, you know, because it, I, I just, the way I see it is, you know, my mom didn't really have the chance to do that. And, you know, 
you live and learn hindsight is 2020 so well i'm super excited to hear how things go for you in the future because you were just a badass chick and i'm super super happy i know you and thank you thank you thank you for coming on our podcast yes absolutely this is Michael Gilchrist with Living on Dialysis Podcast, and this is Michael's movie review. Um, movies are extremely important to me. As you all know, doing dialysis or having kidney problems, you guys are almost, it seems like, all medical. If you're not doing medical, you're doing doctor appointments. If you're not doing doctor appointments, you're not feeling good. And we found that no matter how you're feeling, you can always sit and do a movie. So no matter what, no matter how busy life is, we stop everything and we go see a movie. It has absolutely nothing to do with dialysis. It has absolutely nothing to do with medical. It just has to do with getting together with friends and family and enjoying a movie. Um, we've done it so much that a whole bunch of our friends have gotten the uh, AMC movie pass. It's the A-list. Basically, you can uh, go see three movies a week and you pay one price a month. And if we go more than twice a month, we've paid for it, and it's great. So nothing's better than a nice warm bowl of popcorn, a movie, and especially if you're sitting right next to the uh, sexy Christina, makes it even better. So here's, the, here's some movie reviews. Um, Top Gun, absolutely amazing. It is by far the best movie that I think I have ever seen. I would suggest watching the first one and then going and seeing Top Gun now. Uh, Tom Cruise did so good in this movie, and it is amazing the, how young he looks and how he's actually able to compete side-by-side side with all these 20-year-olds. It, it's like he hasn't even aged, and the story is absolutely amazing. Um, the next movie is Lightyear. I took my nieces and nephews to this, and uh, I hate to say it, but Pixar dropped the ball on this one. It was, uh, in my opinion, absolutely terrible. The story was just bad. There were no wow moments. Like Pixar is known for some amazing uh, effects. This just didn't have it. It felt like a Saturday morning cartoon that was on the big screen. It was just terrible. And then uh, Jurassic Park, um, anything with dinosaurs on the big screen, I'm a huge fan. I think, it, I think it was great. The story was a little lacking, but I, can't, I think it kind of ended the movie pretty good. And we actually saw the double feature in the theater. We saw the first original Jurassic Park on the big screen, and then we saw the new Jurassic Park Dominion. And it was amazing seeing Jurassic Park 1 up on the big screen. I don't remember seeing it back in the 90s, and it was amazing. And then uh, Elvis, I will tell you that my mom absolutely adored this movie it was so fun to watch the music is amazing the story is amazing just the fact that this young kid singer started wiggling and it caused so much controversy and it, it was just an absolutely amazing story i would suggest going seeing that we've seen it at least three times now and uh so that's my that's my movie review Next week, we'll be doing uh, the new Minion movie, at least. I'll be taking my nieces and nephews, and they're going to tell you what they think. Thanks, guys. Have a nice day. Okay, guys. So, in lieu of having Britt on our show today, which she's amazing, and thank you so much, Britt, for coming and talking to us, but we have decided to talk PD. So, Mike has some info, and I'll just kind of pop in when I want to. 
Yeah, basically mine's the boring crop, but uh, peritoneal dialysis was first performed in 1923, and it wasn't performed much until about 1968. A uh, dude named Henry Chekhov created the placebo catheter. And it's actually kind of cool because it's actually called the Chekhov catheter to this day. Um, and fun fact, back in the day, they actually placed two catheters, one at the top of your stomach, at, well, peritoneal cavity, stomach, and one at the bottom of your, of your stomach. Which has to be just awful. One is enough. Yeah, and it, it actually had lots of leakage problems and lots of infection problems as well. So they have actually abandoned that quite quick. Um, but the new and, and the old catheters were actually made out of metal and glass. Which is actually going to give me nightmares tonight because the thought of that hurts my soul. Yeah, so the, the new ones are made out of silicone or polyurethane. Basically, it's for layman terms, bendable plastic. I've never been so happy that I got that catheter and not the other ones. Yeah, you can imagine draining with metal and glass. Awful. So the catheter can be placed pretty much anywhere. Most commonly right now, it is actually placed in the abdominal cavity. So pretty much your top, right above your stomach. Right by, right just to the side of your belly button. Yeah, but recently they have actually been placing quite a few in your chest cavity, which I have done a little bit of studying on it and they actually say it is more sanitary and especially for the younger patients and women, they can actually just tuck the tube right into the blah. And for me, being visually impaired, I have a really hard time seeing it in my stomach, but it being right on your chest is, it's easy to see it. You can keep it cleaner because you're not sweating in that area as much as you do in your stomach. And it can be a little bit off-putting at first because we all have tubes, we all have fistulas, but there's something weird about having it come out of your chest. And I, I don't know if that includes the men. I would kind of assume so, but it, it definitely takes some getting used to. But after I had it a week, week into it, it was fine. Yeah, and pretty much I was already looking at the chest, so pretty much I just saw a tube also. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so basically the peritoneal tube goes down into your peritoneal cavity, which uh, a lot of people think that it's actually going into your stomach. It's not. It's actually going into your peritoneal cavity and those little membranes, little uh, pieces of, uh, I don't know, but they pretty <laughs> much filter out all of the PD fluid. Yeah, so um, a lot of people don't know that the fluid that goes in is actually sugar water. And how it actually works is when water is introduced into your body, your body wants to even out the pH amongst all your body. And so it sends toxins until that fluid is the same pH as the rest of the body. And it also has sugar. So the sugar part actually pulls the fluid and it absorbs it into your peritoneal cavity as well. So when it drains, you actually have fluid going out and toxins. Now, a lot of, a lot of patients or warriors are asking right now, well, what about me? I'm a diabetic. Now, 
they I have heard they have introduced a non-sugar formula make sure you ask your clinics because just because you're a diabetic does not mean you can't do this and you can actually keep your numbers roughly good as long as you're watching them and you're working with a clinic so don't let di don't let diabetes stop you I've always kind of thought about that because our daughter is a type 1 diabetic her name's Tyler and I've always kind of thought how do those diabetics make this work are they just dosing tons of insulin I know they have to have a constant dose but to what extreme I don't actually know but I have heard like I said that they all are introducing a non-sugar formula. So if any of you know, message us and let us know. That would be awesome to hear about it. Yeah, so early on, PD was used as a last resort, but it is quickly, quickly becoming one of the main dialysis methods. Which is amazing because at least I know that for me, when I was on PD, I felt so much better. I was able to do so much more in my day-to-day -day life for me, I think it is a phenomenal way to go. Yeah, and so there's two main companies. Now, I'm sure there's other ones out there, and I've seen other machines, but the two main companies are Baxter and Liberty. Now, Liberty and Baxter, they have, Baxter has a machine called Baxter Xalia. So this is the old, awkward, heavy machine, and if you're using that one, get with your clinic. There's a new one. So yeah, tell them. Do it now. You want the, new the amnia. The new one's awesome. So basically the Clelia and the Liberty machine, they're pretty much equivalent. They're still portable, still awesome. You can still take them almost anywhere and hook up anywhere you have a power source. You can use these machines. Now, Baxter did release a new one called Amnia. Omnia. Omnia. And basically, this one was a game changer, at least in my opinion, when it came to PD dialysis. It was light. It was portable. It has a backup battery, which don't let the backup battery sway you too much because it doesn't run everything. All it does is it keeps the timer going, which is still great for dwells, but you want your fluid being heated and stuff like that. Christina's going to have a story about having chilled fluid. But, <laughs> so, basically, Baxter Amnia is one of the go-to machines, at least that I recommend. But, with Liberty, the With the Baxter machine, I actually got really stoked because with my vision, I cannot necessarily read those screens. And the Baxter machine will actually tell you verbally every step you're going to make. So I know that a lot of diabetics experience kidney failure and eyesight loss and a lot of us just have other issues, but it's amazing and it is to the point you can do this all by yourself and anytime we get our independence back, it's amazing. That was one of the best things about PD, at least in my opinion, is that Christina could, could run it 100% on her own. Um, there's not many problems that can happen with PD. The main thing is risk of infection when you're putting, when you're connecting. But as long as you're practicing, practicing safe protocols, you don't really have to have too much fear with that. Of course, you want some, but it was amazing where she could do this. And with manuals, you can actually you can actually do it almost anywhere. 
that's kind of the nice thing about PD is you have so much more freedom to do dialysis when you want to and how you want to because you could take those manuals with you if you want to go on vacation and not bring your machine it's an option you take those manuals and talk to your doctor about how often you're going to do it and you could do it through the day and still get to do everything you want on vacation so keep that in mind the possibilities are amazing with pd I also know that you can actually be an extremely sexy chick on a motorcycle doing PD. So if you haven't heard that story, make sure you reach out because it's, uh, it's freaking awesome. Oh, my goodness. So, but, um, be, so the Baxter machine was hands down, I think, the game changer when it came to the machines. Liberty actually just had a FDA machine that was cleared, and it's supposed to come out in 2023. It's called the Liberty Versa. Versa. And by my understanding, it is supposed to go toe-to-toe with the Baxter machine. So if you're using these old clunky machines, they're still great. They're still portable. They're still, they function just the same as the others and they get the job done. But they have new ones. So talk to your clinics and say, hey, I want that new one. And if they say no, say, I still want that new one. So Give it to me. We've heard a lot of information about the new Versa, and it sounds very similar to the Baxter machine. It does verbal commands. Um, It's smaller. I've actually heard that it might be a little smaller than the Omnia, and it's going to be a game changer. So if you want to do it, talk to your nurses now because we all know it takes forever to get the machine so start talking to them let them know that you're interested yep so that's all the technical mumbo jumbo when it comes to pd so uh basically uh here's the advice from the professional well i think um not necessarily advice but i think like when you start pd if you've done in center before you it's a world of difference you start being able to go camping you start being able to go on vacations a lot easier we all know if you do in center and you go on vacation you got to get your shot you got to make sure everything is lined up for the times and then when you do go sometimes they don't have your time slot for you then and they say oh we'll come back in a few hours and i actually went to washington for my little sister's wedding because sheena i love you and i had everything set up for pd i mean for in center and i'd gotten my shot and everything well i walked in the center and it was the time we had scheduled and it it knocked me off my feet because (laughs) these people actually said we're not ready for you. And they said, there's a coffee shop at the end of the strip mall. Do you want to just go down and drink some coffee? And I was like, never ever have I had a dialysis center tell me to go drink coffee, which means I absolutely love them. But at the same time, I had to change a lot around so I could make it to my sister's important events because the scheduling just, it is not as accurate as it could be and the the good thing about pd is anywhere you have a power source you can pretty much do pd i have even done pd on solar panels and as long as my heater doesn't have to kick on 
too many times, I can run PD up in the mountains dry camping with no issues at all. Yeah, which is, it, this is an amazing option and this is not for just people our age. Senior citizens deserve to have the best years of their life and doing something like PD opens up your options. Go live in a motorhome with your spouse. Go see the world, you know, like traveling with it. It's super easy. You talk to your center and they actually have a hard case luggage that you put the machine in and it will fly for free. So there's no reason not to go and experience everything you want anymore. And, and again, your life isn't over just because you're on dialysis. Now, it may take a little bit more planning, but those of you that are retired and want to be out there, want to be visiting family, want to be, you know, doing all those things that you worked your entire life to do, go do it. And you'll actually feel better playing with grandkids. You're going to actually have some energy so you can play with them. You will be able to enjoy the people around you. You're not going to be in constant, oh gosh, I feel awful. I've got fluid heavy and... Once you go to your center, you get cleaned out, and then you feel awful until you go back. That's not how PD works. Now, a lot of people, come, now a lot of people the, the first comment is, well, I don't want to do dialysis every single day. And my comment to that is, well, aren't you sleeping every day anyways? And, and it's, it's interesting because we go in center and we get stuck with needles and sometimes even stuck with lidocaine needles before the needles. But with PD, no needles, guys. You literally connect it and you sleep, which does, I'll, I'll be the first to say, the first little bit, it takes some getting used to because you're not used to your peritoneal cavity being full of fluid. But you learn. As you go, you learn and you get better and you realize, oh, if I sleep on my right side, it drains all the way. Or... I'll just roll over when my machine's yelling at me and it'll start working again. There's, di there's different tricks that you or find. I'll ignore all the alarms and I'll make the caretaker get them. And uh, right? So, yeah. So I love messing with the, the mother-in-law, Robin. I love messing with you and I love seeing the expressions. But during the very beginning, we had, you know, lots and lots of alarms, lots and lots of issues. And they all iron, the, iron themselves out, but I love seeing the expression on the mother-in-law's face when she asks, well, how many alarms did you have? And I go, oh, we had them all night long. You know, there was this, Tell them the story about the and, bag. And she goes, so what did you do? And I'm like, well, after about the 50th alarm, I got up, punched the machine, and squeezed the bag as hard as I could. And it looked like my mom was going to have a heart attack. And the best part is I usually keep a really good pace and then I just walk away. And then Christina has to deal with the, <gasps> what, what? So mom, I would like to apologize for all the times you have almost had a heart attack because of my husband. And he actually really is a good guy. <laughs> nah, he actually loved messing with you. So here's to another one and you're gonna get many, 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 many more. So anyways, um, let's go ahead and tell them about your PD catheter, how it was placed, what happened. Yeah, so I actually, I got it. So the reason I started doing PD is I had um, rejected my second kidney. 
And so at that point, I kind of decided to take things a little more serious because dialysis might be forever. And so I, I had heard about PD when I was younger, but I was told, you're blind, you can't do it. And I listened. Which is absolute horseshit. Do not allow anybody to tell you that you cannot do it. You can do it. You just make a way. It's and so true. And do not let anyone, anyone tell you that you cannot do at-home hemo. It's true. I think we see our doctors as almost infallible. And so we take what they say to heart. And they're coming to work and they're going home. And they are humans. So, yes, sometimes they make mistakes. Sometimes they give you advice that doesn't necessarily suit you. So, don't be afraid to say, hey, wait, I want to try it anyways. Yeah, and sometimes they're just buttheads. So, yeah, fight with them. So, uh, when I was rejecting my second kidney, I started looking into a lot of options to make it to where I wasn't doing dialysis in my life. I was living and doing dialysis. Ah, ah, living on dialysis. <laughs> yeah. There's a little plug there. But so at that point, I, I went to, I think, five or six different clinics. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were all pretty adamant that it, I couldn't do it because of my eyesight. And I was adamant that Mike could not know how to do it and not me because I think everybody should know how to run their machines and one because it empowers you and it gives you it gives you so much knowledge about your numbers your labs and you just become not really a person who's being told what to do but a person who is actively participating in their own care that that's the main thing too is if your clinic isn't doing what it's supposed to you know you can find another clinic um, we actually joke around because we actually have this weird nurse that wore uh, feet shoes. And she would walk around all the time. And it was just kind of weird. And she didn't, she didn't work with us very much. So we moved clinics. Well, and she, she was busy. And she had a different clinic. And she would openly tell us, I'm sorry, but I don't have time for you because I'm busy at the other clinic. So if that situation or anything like like it pops up, search around. You have other options. Yep, there's tons of clinics, and there might be one right across the street. You don't even know it. So, so you went ahead and had the catheter pushed. Well, first, I went to like five different clinics, or six even, and I finally found the clinic that I actually went to my original clinic that I had done five years of in center, and I convinced them, hey, I got this. So I went in and I had my catheter placed and I started PD and it truly changed my world. And uh, during uh, one of our first experiences, um, she almost pulls herself out. So what a caution. Don't let a blind chick grab the uh, PD bag. I had a bag heating and I made the mistake of grabbing a cold one. And so make sure whoever's helping you or if you're on your own, make sure that bag is warm because it will freeze you out. It will actually drop your core temperature pretty damn quick. And it is actually a pretty serious thing where you need to raise the core temperature again. So we lap doing blankets, heaters, 
and this was like 100 degree weather outside and she's freezing, <laughs> teeth chattering, but we were able to get her out of it and I, I kind of make, yeah, make a funny joke that every time we almost kill Christina, we learn a good, we, we learn a good lesson from it and sometimes we can laugh about it. So. Yeah, I don't know why I'm on that end of it, but hey, I got the short stick. Yeah. So, um, during this process, we actually were, we found out that you could actually have a chest catheter, chest no, catheter placed. No, not we. So we had not heard about that, and that's one of those things that's kind of upsetting because you want to know your options, and anytime you go in and have a surgery, you should know. Okay, well, what's best for me? Where do I want to have this that suits me best? And so we just, another time, we did what we were told. And sometimes you just kind of don't know to ask more questions. And that's kind of why we're doing this, is we want to let everybody learn from our mistakes and everybody else who has gone through it and not have to make those mistakes in their own journey. Yeah, so make sure you ask those questions. Um, one of the main things, too, is... Uh, where the catheter is placed. Now, I know I've said this before, but we critique the clothes that we buy more than a surgery that we're going to have because we just trust that rich doctor and we just trust him with everything when we should be asking all of the questions. You know, where this tube was placed when it was placed on Christina, it rubbed against her jeans. She had problems with it loving, had problems, you know, wearing clothes that she wanted to wear. I'm pretty sure I I wore sweatpants almost the first year after I got it because it was tender and wearing, of course, I want to wear my skinny jeans and I don't want it to hurt. Yeah, and basically if they would have placed it just even an inch higher than what it was, a lot of these issues wouldn't have happened. Yeah, so it's definitely like take the time to see where do your pants hit? Where do your shorts hit? Is this going to be a spot that works for me? Yeah, and I tell them, have that surgeon place an X on your stomach of where they want to put this or your chest. Do not, do not think that the chest is not a place that, that it can be placed. If they say they can't, ask them why. But have them place an X of where this catheter is going to come out of you and, get, and go walk around for a minute. See where it's going to love. See what's going to happen. You know, just basic everyday things. Is this going to get in the way? Yeah. And it's something that you don't think about when you're doing it. So someone has to kind of tell you, hey, you've got a couple options here. And we have since learned about the chest catheter. And our doctor, which I'm not sure every doctor agrees with this, but he told us he could pretty much pull that thing wherever we wanted. As long as he got it in the peri peritoneal cavity right, he could have that exit be anywhere. So just know options are out there. Yeah, and just make sure you talk to him because, because the doctor that we had, he's like, yeah, I can, I, can wrap that, I can wrap that anywhere. Yeah, he's like, I could have it coming out your neck if you wanted. I'm like, no, nobody would. But, I mean, remember your options. And there's kind of another side to it because after I had been doing PD for about three years, my catheter was, it seemed like it was coming out or like we thought 
maybe it was being pulled out by the jeans and everything. And so we went in and we had it pulled and I had a chest catheter placed and then that chest catheter, it wouldn't work. And so we had to do a bunch of tests, go back in for surgery. And while the doctor was in there, he said that my intestines had stuck around the tube. And we didn't know what that meant at all. So he went in and he kind of pulled them all apart and we went back home. And the very next day I woke up and all the pain was back and it was miserable. And so at that time I had to go in and we had to completely remove it. And the doctor after that surgery came out and told us that my intestines had again wrapped around that tube and just squoze it. And we actually ended up doing a little bit of research, Mike did. And we found out that it was called abdominal adhesion. And the bad thing about abdominal adhesion is that it is not seen on any CT scans, um, x-rays, uh, ultrasounds. It is not seen unless you go in laparoscopy, or whatever that word yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically, they don't see it until they cut you open. And like... I, doing PD, I felt amazing. I felt so much better that I didn't really realize that I was having issues because it was still better than what I had before. So I had a lot of issues with constipation and it was constant and there was pain. It would change in my stomach, like where it was. And every time I talked to a doctor, they would say, that's that's not a thing. The pain doesn't move. It has to be in one set spot. And so I had every gastrointestinal test you could have. They told me I had SIBO. They told me all these things that I had and none of the medications worked because I didn't have any of those. I had this abdominal adhesion, but nobody knew to tell me, hey, this could be this. So if you are doing PD, be aware of your body and ask your nurses questions. Let them know, hey, I've heard about abdominal adhesion. I've been in a lot of pain. I'm taking medicine constantly to go to the restroom and get a, get a dialogue going. And another main thing too is that abdominal adhesion cannot be cured. It is basically with you forever and it is painful. And so... so ex how abdominal adhesion actually starts is it's when, which I'm sure we can all relate to this, you have a lot of scar tissue in your stomach. I've had two transplants, I've had two kidneys removed, and I've had multiple surgeries in my abdomen. And so something about the inside of the scar tissue makes the intestines stick to each other. Basically, I tell people that when you pull saline wrap off the roll, and if you don't keep it totally straight, it all kind of clings together. That's what Christina's insides are doing. And again, there's no uh, cure for this. So that is actually when we were introduced to uh, cannabis as a pain tolerance. Yeah, the pain was, it was pain. I've, I've felt a lot of pain in my life, but it was just insane. I felt like there was pain everywhere. And using the cannabis, it's it's quite interesting because you don't think it's actually going to help with pain. So the first few days I was kind of like, okay, well, 
why not? You know, this will be fun. It truly helped me so much. And to this day, we've, we've learned tricks now with the abdominal adhesion. We've heard of people who put a tennis ball on the ground and you roll your stomach on top of it and that helps pull them apart. I use a hand massager and I, I know if I don't use it often enough, it's gonna start hurting again. So there's things that can help with it, but it will never go away. So again, make sure you ask, ask your options. Make sure you find out what, what your options are. Look into PD. It is by far the number one that I think you should go to. And um, even with abdominal adhesion, I think it was totally worth it. Yep. And the, the flexibility and the freedom with PD, talk to your clinic about it. Talk to your doctors about it because everybody should be living on dialysis and overall like don't be afraid to ask the questions to your doctor and seriously get in depth with what you're feeling and how you're feeling it and just don't stop until they listen yeah and if they say no say why butthead tell me why exactly so guys we are so glad you tuned in and we love having these discussions with you Yep, and this is uh, Michael Gilchrist. And Christina Gilchrist. And we got a lazy moose over here sleeping throughout the entire thing, but he says, I'm a dumb dog, so. Uh, no, he doesn't. He says he's the best dog in the world. Yeah, he's, he's okay, I guess. But this is uh, Living on Dialysis Podcast. Pass it, save it, follow it, do everything you want. And keep living on dialysis. Welcome to Christina's Crazy Corner. Each week, we're going to come up with something crazy to, to talk about. And every week, I will have a couple friends with me. So, this week, I have... Amber. Tyler. Clover. And me. So, this week, Tyler has decided what crazy topic we're going to talk about. So, come on, Ty. Alright, so for this week's topic, it's about a place called Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> she speaks. <laughs> oh, Clover, Clover. Okay, keep going, Tyler. It was built in 1926 by a man named Conley T. Snido. Snido? Snido. Snido, okay. Snido. S N I D O W. Snidow? Snidow. Snidow. What? I don't know. Snidow. Ditto. 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 Continue. (laughs) But so, um, but the history of the place dates back to the, um, 1700s. And very cool, yeah. Um, it's older than me. (laughs) Obviously. I'm just proud about that. It's Earth. Yeah, I understand. The world's only old, and it made me feel a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. But, yeah, so it first was, um, it was built with um, a water slide, swings. Wait, wait, wait. What is it that was built? An amusement park. I said that. (laughs) I didn't get that far. I was stuck on the name. In 1920 is. 1926. Okay. 20 is. Yeah. But so he built, he actually also built a um, small Ferris wheel 
as well. It has a dance hall, a speakeasy, a pond, a swimming hole. I want a speakeasy. I know. And it also has the lake right next to it. Well, the lake's fine, but the speakeasy. Speakeasy these days, that would be pretty sweet. I think we should start one. (laughs) We should. Yeah, let's do it. That's a whole nother. You guys, (laughs) coming soon, a speakeasy. Okay, continue, Tyler. Christina's speaking. Yeah. <laughs> but so um, it was actually closed in 1966 for a bunch of reasons. Uh, well, the main reason that they were closed was because a health inspection, they didn't pass, so they were closed down. Do you know what? But, I always think like our local theme park should probably be closed down. I don't know how often they check them, but that's what scares me. <clears throat> yeah. Like a health inspection? Yeah. Like how often do they check those roller coasters? Or the water that you swim in. Oh. Ew. Yeah. Good no, point. No well, thanks. I love amusement parks, and I'm still going to love them. Right. Okay, Ty. Why? It lasted 30 years. It was closed down. Yeah. Not, oh, not 40, 30, years. 40 years. 40 yeah. years. Yeah. But so, the place was shut down because of the health inspection, but also there were six deaths of minors during those 40 years, which might not seem... That's a decent percentage, I would say. Yeah, how many is dead at our location? Oh, <laughs> there's, been deaths, yeah. Yeah, there's been deaths, yeah. I mean, touche. Yeah. But they died, like, of mysterious circumstances, and, like, they were just really odd. Okay, for example? Like, not your typical theme park accident? It, no. Like, one of them was a little girl who was on a swing. She was just swinging, and one of the delivery trucks decided to deliver soda pop to one of the vendors. And as he was backing out, he backed into the path of the swing. Oh, my. And she slammed right into the back of the car and died instantly from the impact. Oh, my gosh. Dang. Yeah. But another one was of a nine-year-old boy who went there. His mom had dropped him off, and he was missing for past 24 hours when she went back to go and find him he wasn't there she left him there all day yeah until close i think that's a perfectly fine babysitter but and this is back when people were good he was nine he yeah, was people nine. Were good. and it's a swimming pool they she took him to go swimming like she's like here's your swimsuit go swim yeah, but he's solo, so that's a, that's weird. That's yeah, a yeah, yeah. But so, that eventually the police found him in the bottom of the pool. His arm had been stuck in the drain pipe, and he couldn't get out because the suction was just sucking him in, and he drowned in the bottom oh, of the pool. Whoa, yeah. that is awful. Uh, another incident was of a family that was out canoeing on the lake. The canoe flipped over. Both the parents survived, but the boy drowned. Even though he was right next to them, like... And neither parent grabbed him. him. Yeah, exactly. Or they just weren't able to save him. Maybe there was... Again, there's something going on with water here. Maybe he got sucked down. Mm. There's, like, pipage underneath. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what the body of water was like. If it was just, like, a pond or... there's more going on in the story. we got to find out. Okay, continue. (laughs) Yeah. But so, they... Eventually, it started to get rusty... And, like, it just got worn down. But 20 years later, uh, one guy that had actually worked there as a teenager, as a kid, that had fallen in love with it, actually bought the property from the original owner and then decided to want to try and reopen the park. 
Christina's dream. Own in a theme park. You got it. His name was Gaylord White, and he thought he thought it felt like ideally, like he thought it would be like the ideal town thing to open it back up. Yeah, because gotcha. They didn't. He could do it better. Yeah, he thought. Oh well, I'll prevent all this, you know. So Mm. they opened it up for a few years just as a trial run until they started to actually start digging some stuff up to build new things. And they found a lot of Native American artifacts like clay, different Mm. types of pottery, different types of utensils. And it turns out um, that he hired a whole bunch of archaeologists to come and figure it out. But it turns out it was actually a Native American burial ground for minors and infants. That explains a lot. (laughs) That's ironic. You never mess with it. And only kiddos died at this thing, Dark? Yes, only kids. Oh my god. This is weird. Whoa. Clover, you wow! It's just Clover has no idea what to say, so we're laughing every time she says something. Whoa. Oh, but yeah, so, and one of the bodies that they found was of a 14-year-old girl, and she was thought to have had a miscarriage because there was an infant, a newborn infant, actually buried right next to her, and that usually happened when a mother died giving birth to her child, and the child didn't make it either. They'd bury them together. How awful would that be for a baby? Like, 14-year-old, that's a baby. It's awful. That's so so sad. But, so... They thought that that was a lot of the reasons of the strange happenings and stuff. But there was actually a lot more before that that happened. So it was also a um, place where there was actually a double murder in the 18th century. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And then at the burial ground, there was murder. Yeah. And also in 1783, there with the first settlers that came to Princeton, West Virginia, where it's located, mm-hmm. they, um, the Clay family had two sons, and one of them had been slaughtered by the local Shawnee Indians. The other one was kidnapped by them and then was burned at the stake. Oh, goodness. That's were awful. these, like, young kids? Yeah. They're, they were young boys. Oh. And so the... Um, Clay family actually decided to try and retaliate. So Uh-oh. they got all the all the people together, and they actually tracked down the Native American tribe and killed mm-hmm. them, all of them. <gasps> oh, my gosh. They killed all the Native Americans, and they basically just left the bodies there. They didn't That's do anything awful. with them. So do we know why? So they're... it was a massacre scene, too. Yes. Yeah. Do we know why the Native American tribe went after these boys, though? Do we know if there was something else? If uh, they were provoked? We don't know exactly. All we know is that this these Native Americans decided to... I think it might have been because they took their land and they were trying to do something to get it back. Because obviously it was something important to sense. them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. because nobody's going to go take two kiddos. murder is ever the answer. But. Yeah, but so... There are a lot of people that think that this place is cursed or haunted because of all the strange deaths. And now people, when they go to visit with people, 
usually tourists and people who tour the place. They say they see strange things, like they hear things. Like sometimes you can see a little girl swinging on one of the swings. Oh, wow. And they think it's actually the little girl that had died with the car incident. Okay, so just one second here. Who believes in ghosts? I do. I believe that there could be that spirit 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 afterward but like it's unlikely unlikely okay yeah that is my uh very scientific Mm -mm. daughter who wants proof of things and i'm the same way i've never seen a ghost so i don't believe in it yeah i don't i don't believe in it because there's no proof but i mean like it's still creepy and all in itself just the history of it like the ghost not included we've had experiences that are hard to explain that's why i feel like that's why I kind of lean towards believing there is something. I really want Even if it's another energy or another power or something else, I do believe that there is something extra. Awesome. There. But that would be a whole nother story for I want to go do like I want to go do like a ghost hunt or something and go stay at like yes. some hotel or something that I've done some of has those. Ghosts. There. It's fun. And that would be really interesting. And I love history, so yeah. those kind of things. I wouldn't want to stay somewhere like that. I'm fine with going into an abandoned building for a day. Just not staying overnight. Like, yeah. This is our next girl's trip coming on and you're going to I really think like every, everyone knows Christina doesn't urinate, but I would pee my pants. <laughs> right. If I saw a ghost, I would pee my pants. It would be a miracle. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so that's basically all the things about this park if you saw the pictures of this place i bet it's creepy it's abandoned ab- theme parks look really creepy it's and then absolutely the terrifying there's on top a- of everything it was built on an indian barrel ground so is it still like the theme park or is the theme park gone oh it's- no it's still there all the stuff is still rusted over there did they just dig around it no it, well they dug around the stuff to find the burial ground but then they left it alone after that Basically, they're just like, yeah, we're going to not touch this property anymore. No one lives on that property. No one touches it. Just Has left there to rot. been since? Well, no, there haven't been, hasn't been anything because no one's really... Willing to go there. Willing to go there for a long period of time. Like, sure, the tourists go there for a little bit for just like a tour. And I then totally want to go leave. there. I know. That's crazy. I totally want to go there. That should be our oh. next girls trip. West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, we're coming. <laughs> that would be insane. In three years. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start saving up now. <laughs> Dreams. But yeah, that's about all that I have on that place. But that, that is insane. Good job. Yeah. I like the topic. That was... yeah. I do too. And anytime there's a theme park, I'm in. But what do you think, Clover? What do you think? Would you like to do a trip like that? Where we stay yeah. at a haunted place? or? I would like to be haunted. Okay, so <laughs> you would like to I be think you are haunted. haunted. I think you are haunted. You're possessed already. <laughs> okay, so we here's the you. thing. Do you believe it? Yes. And so you want to experience it. Why would you yeah. want to experience something like that? If you think it's yeah. true. Like I like the adrenaline. <laughs> Seeing ghosts with adrenaline? We are adrenaline junkies, and yeah. That 
it's crazy. So like, okay, what if it's like a mean ghost and it doesn't like you, and so you get thrown across the room? No, because if they don't exist. But I'm saying you want it to be real. So, what if you got thrown across the room? Uh. You'd be in for it. You'd yeah. be down. I wouldn't. Okay. I want to leave. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, this is our first episode. So, come back next week and we'll give you another one. Okay. Bye.